And remember, this is going to be the first time that we have... Yeah, they yeah. come They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Admit I was a clone to be messing around, but that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. But a bye 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 bye, but a bye 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 bye. See, we don't have we don't have to impersonate it anymore. Have we reached that far? Like, is the intro music so long that it gets to the but a bye bye bit? Because no. isn't that near the end of it? No, 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 no. So what? Um, what? What we've cleverly done is we've because I like the start of the song. I think I think the start is one of the like the best build ups to a song because you can it's like you see it coming, <laughs> can't you? You can see it coming, and then we just cut yeah. the bye 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 straight into it. It's like a greatest. It's like a greatest hits of the song. We've 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 we've, we've distilled it down to its essential elements. Because what's great is there's a, a video that I think Kirsty posted in the Facebook group. Of them, uh, UB40 singing live, and Pate Banton comes on stage. And now, whenever I hear that song, which which isn't that frequently, I have to admit, but will be frequently now, um, it just I visualise again Pate walking on stage. He's got this little dance, and it's the and and everyone in the crowd's going, "Who's this guy? Oh shit, yeah, he's the guy who sings on this song. It's Pato, yeah, <laughs> it's Pato." <laughs> But uh, he's done, he's done a huge number of songs that I didn't realise. Did he do Bubbling Hot as well? He did do Bubbling, Bubbling Hot. Hot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We could, what we could do, we could slowly wear him down till we've got a full uh, greatest hits. <laughs> well, we've got the most expensive one, so if he's prepared to give up the rights to that, then surely the other should be easy. But we, Bubbling Hot has to mean something. We have to come up with it, like you know, a peeping mo <laughs> and everything. Or summiting a, a, a bubbling hot. I don't know. It, it can be filthy. There's, there's something there. But we yeah, say someone is bubbling hot. <laughs> I mean, we say it can be filthy. It will. It be will filthy. be filthy. Yeah, it will. Be <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I even like laboring under the uh, impression that it's gonna it's gonna be anything other than absolutely disgusting. But Ace Ventura Two was on oh, television last, last night. Cookie. What a great movie! I forgot how much I loved that. But, I was watching it. I was watching it, and Libby comes in and says, um, "Inappropriate for children." I'm like, "What? How is it inappropriate? Is it a kids' film?" <laughs> well, apparently, it's a kids' film. I'm pretty sure it's fine. But the what, I, what you may not know is that the outro music for that is a cover by Sting, featuring Pato Banton. Is Pato Banton in? Is it High Spirits in a Material World? He sings. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what? I've got the soundtrack to Ace Ventura <laughs> when nature calls. You kid? Did you know that was Pato? I was. It, now you say it. I haven't listened to it in ages, but now you say it, I I, I remember. Because the I was amazed when when you showed me the email. The, his wife is his keyboardist as well. Really? Yeah. Oh. I've got a lot of Pato. It's because I've been researching Pato for the MDS Expo. Because. I've got to try and well, drop in his lyrics as often as possible. Well, we we um, we are we talking about that today? Are we talking about it in another episode? Uh, we can we can do it this one or next one, whatever you think's best. I think we'll do it the next one. Do it the next one. Next okay. one, I think, because I think there's a lot to say. Although I have to add something. 
that if you did drop in a lot of pato, that's a distinct um, disadvantage that Lee had because he didn't realise that we were licensed to be able to use pato's face <laughs> and music. So. That's true because there were lawyers. There were lawyers on hand <laughs> with the Edinburgh lawyers and and Pato <laughs> Banton's lawyers together. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I mean, I, I did mention some other people's songs lyrics, and I almost got dragged off stage because of it. So yeah, it, it was a, was a huge advantage for me. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> But anyway, how have you been? What have you been up to? All right, all right. Yeah, doing a you know, doing a little bit of running and stuff. Getting ready for um, getting ready for the for the ten k coming up. Looking forward to it. I'm oh, gonna say brilliant. it's you know I um, I'm clearly not built for speed. I think that's um, that's abundantly clear. And um, but I think the most important thing at the moment is is actually losing weight. That's, uh, that's the thing. You're not built for speed at the moment. At the moment. It doesn't mean you can't be. No, yeah. no, absolutely. So yeah, so I think actually that's my. I mean, I could you know, and actually that leads into what what we're going to talk about. But first, what 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 have you been up to? As your well, you had a little niggle we, with your ankle. Well, before you? we go there, I just, I, you've you've mentioned you want to lose weight. Is is there an actual strategy that you've got for losing this weight? Uh, dieting. So any particular diet, or just going to eat less? I did a uh, when I was. Um, did you ever see this when I was writing for Men's Running? Um, we did a, um, a a nutrition test and not a nutrition test, a, a weight loss test. And um, six of us all tried to lose weight using different techniques. So I was a person that had the nutritionist. I was injured at the time, so I had a nutritionist. Yeah. So I had a, a I couldn't exercise, so I had a nutritionist to help me through um, a month. And I lost I lost the most out of everyone um, by doing it. But the other things they had were excellent. So someone did um, high interval uh, high intensity interval training. Yeah. Um, someone did uh, Bikram yoga. Someone did. Um, there was like a, a sweatsuit or something you could put on. Um, someone else did something, and someone. <laughs> this was brilliant. Used these tablets, the you know, Jody Marsh bodybuilding fat burn tablets, and had wow. to and started taking them and um, had to come off them after about five days because he he burst into tears in the office because he hadn't been to sleep for like forty eight hours. <laughs> I'd been to the gym three times and painted his kitchen. <laughs> he had holes in the wall for his punching him with rage. Yeah. What was in it? Oh, no, it must have been like ephedrine or, or something like that. It, it was just, it, it was cool. It, it looked disgusting. It sounded disgusting and, and it worked. What, that must have been an incredible article. <laughs> It was, yeah. He ended up, he ended up crying in the office and had to had to be sent home. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, that is dedication to the cause. So, so yeah, that was the that was um, that was a really successful diet. So I just I basically follow that. And what? How is it different to uh, standard? Uh, well, it's it's, uh, it's six meals a day. I got a because I'm vegetarian. Six meals a day. Yeah, it's not like, not big meals. Just six, mm. just six a day, eating six times a day, which I, I don't really like. I, I normally like to have one massive one. <laughs> yeah, <same. laughs> in the, in the evening, um, yeah. But uh, and yeah, you know, sort of monitor it quite closely. But like a lot of like nuts and um, an egg and a lot of protein. Big big thing is protein. I lose a lot of muscle mass when I if I, if I don't eat enough protein. So um, so yeah, so it's that. And um, yeah, it's going all right. Slow, slow but steady. I used to be able to wait, lose weight a bit quicker, um, but now yeah. clearly uh, age has caught up. And, Metabolism, uh, yeah. yeah, bastards. Bloody yeah. breaks it. I'd- well, when I get to your age, I'll probably have the same thing. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, um, thankfully, I'm about five years off that. 
<laughs> so what about you? What are you doing to put on weight? To put on... Actually, I don't even know what weight I am. I haven't weighed myself for half a year or so. Um, I, well, I eat a lot all the time anyway, but this... What have I been doing? I've actually had the first cross-country this season, which what is, was... Okay, What what's the difference between cross-country and trail? The, probably just how wet it is. <laughs> I'd say. I, I always remember like cross-country just being something you're forced to do, whereas trail is something you choose to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. It's, it's always, it's, cross-country is the glory of a miserable slug. <laughs> so so it, the, this race was essentially a, a trail race because it was so dry. And it was running through nice little woodland and very narrow paths. Whereas cross country tends to be a lot more fields. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Running through churned, churned grounds. And you do go through woods, you do, but you're, you, I don't think you'd ever wear spikes on a trail race, would you? No, you wouldn't. No, no, you wouldn't. Of course not. I don't know. There's, something, there's something just very institutional about uh, cross, in my mind, about cross country because it's just associated with with school. Do they even do that at school yeah. anymore? I don't know, actually. Or do they um, do it in, with, with, in VR or something? Um, I don't know if they've got the, the grounds to do it anymore in most schools, but I'd imagine a lot of public schools do it still. But the, even if it feels like a, a heart back to a, an... Uh, years a better uh, time all that when you go to cross country yeah it does it feels like you're in the 1920s still because you turn up and it is a sport where people are still in these flimsy spikes that the only time i've ever used spikes were when i when i was 12 at school spikes. and um and everyone's still in their their club kits which are these little little vests and so it's not like turning up to a half marathon where everyone's got their headphones on and all these different bright colored fluorescent nike tops and yeah. all these really yeah. expensive trainers you're turning up and it does look like um like you're back at school in many ways because everyone's in the the club colors but i tell you for for getting your competitive edge back you want to get to a cross-country race <laughs> Because it is brutal. You're ranked against everyone that you train with. Right. And so you'll end up knowing your finishing position, but your finishing position in your team as well. And if you're top six female, that means you're in the A, then it's every six behind that. And top 12 uh, men is in the A team as well. So, um, But this race is Claybury. It's part of something called the Met League, which is the main league of London. Unbelievably competitive. But this is the, the race that starts with about a three people four people wide corridor for half a mile so if you imagine 400 500 however many people it is running four abreast yeah. for the first half mile some of whom are some of the quickest people in the country it, it's incredible so I, I i went into it completely out of shape but knowing this and there's a guy called rich for my running club who used to be a boxer he's about six foot three he is an absolute tank and so we were on uh, everyone collects in their little groups of your club and we just went on the side and we th- and i just thought i'm gonna get just stick behind rich and so i ran bust my balls for the first 200 meters and then died for the rest of the race and i <laughs> I knew it was, was going to be the hardest way to race it because I'm not fit enough. I'm not fast enough. But 
it was so satisfying when three quarters of a lap, three is three lap race, but three quarters of a lap in, and you've got these uh, unbelievably quick people who you'd never beat, only just overtaking you because they got caught at the beginning and couldn't get through. Yeah. And uh, and so it's horrible being overtaken, but it's not when you know your strategy is to just go out insanely quick and try and hold on. So yeah, it's a fantastic race. Uh, I, I just think. Every every do-badder should somehow try and do a um, a cross-country league event. It's so different to any other race. Where so you said it's in London? Whereabouts in London was this held? Well, this one was in. I can't remember. Where it was. It's somewhere quite far out east in Woodford. Oh, that's right. This was in Woodford, and they're in Stevenage. They're in Parliament Hill. They're in Wormwood Scrubs. They tend to be very far flung because running clubs are obviously covering huge different areas so the whole of the london region is this pretty big area but it's 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 so different it's so uncommercial and you turn up well you said is that what there's no goodie bag there's uh someone so someone in another club had brownies i was trying to chat to someone who was from that club at the time they were walking around so that I could then grab a bad brownie. <laughs> but they they just didn't want to talk to me because they didn't know who I was, so it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, I'd been given a crap load of, uh, of cliff bells. Do you know the, the mountain bells you get in France? Oh, yeah, and things? yeah. Um, Dave, the, I probably shouldn't say this, but um, the marketing manager, he gave me a whole bag of these bells at the last cliff event. And so we turn up, and Heathside tend to be the largest, have the, 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 the biggest showing at these races anyway. So I turn up with about 12 of those bells, and the noise was amazing. Um, anyone racing around from Heathside, you suddenly get drowned by all the support. So if you're running with a few p- people from Heathside around you, it's so demoralizing. But we need, to, we need to find one you can come and attend. Yeah. Yeah, just that's, that's a, just another thing. Another thing that I'd be, uh, I'd be dreadful at. I, I used to do cross country when I was younger yeah. at school, and I always remember Robert Epsom and our school was brilliant, and he had mm. this little pad that he wrote down ev- all of his times, and I thought huh, he's a bit dedicated. <laughs> Where is he now? <clears throat> um, probably an accountant somewhere. Okay, oh, he's a cyclist, is he? Let's, oh yeah, no triathlete, triathlete, weekend yeah. warrior, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm up for anything, as long as it's uh, not triathlon. Well, <laughs> you should be able to, now that you're part of a running club, you'll be eligible for running in the Southern Cross Country Champs. Do you know what, for ages, it's, I, I didn't realise that XC make cross country. No one tells you yeah. that when you look at the things. No one tells of course. you that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And you saw it as King's, no, no, X, King's Cross. XC, yeah, King's Cross. I'm like, oh, it's a very different run than I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting drug dealers and prostitutes. Well, but you'll, you'll have free entry, or the club will pay like six quid for you to enter, but you'll be able to do the Southern Championships. And this year it's on Parliament Hill, which is the most incredible location for a cross-country race. You've got to come up for it. In fact, we've got every do-badder who's part of a club, we have to try and get to the same race, just to, so you can experience it how epic that start is yeah that sounds great so um so yeah so talking about races and um you know look at look at the way i'm circling back round very professionally yeah. very subtle very subtle um talking about racing oh my god i've got an amazing story to tell you after we do this <laughs> oh i've just remembered it 
And it's also <laughs> it's a public information thing for other runners as well. But yeah, talking about this, so uh, I, we, I said before, okay, I'm running a 10K. David, how do I run a 10K? At which point you, because I've never run a 10K before properly with a time, at which point you said, I don't have a 10K PB either. So I said, oh, so, <laughs> yeah. what, so what do we do? How do I get advice about 10K? And you had the solution. Yeah, absolutely. So in fact, I've been researching 10K training plans and things like that since anyway. And it turns out, which is brilliant news in, in many respects, it's similar to marathon training plans with just different distances. But I wanted to get on Terry Scott, who is a member of Timebridge Harriers. So oh, we know we, them. We know them. <laughs> we do, we love them. We love them dearly. Hello, Time Bridge. And because I trained with them two and a half years ago. And at that time, Terry was, he'd not been running for very long, maybe only a couple of years, I think. And he, I remember the first day he turned up at any time that someone new, who you don't know, turns up to your running club and they're quicker than you. It's an immediate threat. It's an immediate like, whoa, 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 whoa. This, I'm not happy about this. But he is remarkable in that I don't know anyone who's progressed as quickly as he has. So every year since I've known him, in fact, from from his first year of running, he's knocked off at least a minute off his 10K PB every year. To the extent that this year he was uh, selected to represent England uh, for his age group. He's, I think he, he did he say he's great british cross-country now as well um and it's i just thought if if we could get anyone on here to talk about how to improve at 10k he's the man because he's come into it so recently and yet he keeps on destroying it anyway. so we've got a, a one of my first guests that i've actually trained with and run with on the podcast so um for those of you that haven't been listening from the beginning one of our favorite groups in the country is the group five from Timebridge Harriers. Oh, group five. Yeah, we, we got in trouble with them a little bit because they thought we were being disparaging, but we, we dearly, dearly love them. Now, Terry is from Timebridge as well. And he's, he's group one. He's, he's mega fast. And <laughs> the reason we wanted to get Terry on is because Jody's obviously got his 10 K coming up and I've, I've actually haven't got a, a 10 K PB. So I, I, I've got a, an approximate idea of how to, train for a 10k but when i first met terry he was he was a reasonable amount quicker than me um and then in the last two years in fact over the last five years every year he's just been taking chunks and chunks and chunks out of his times um and only did his first marathon this year so very much getting quicker at 5k's 10k's and i believe am i right in saying terry you're now this year you're the second quickest person in the country v for 45 that that's right? right yeah 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 whoa Which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know i couldn't couldn't believe that it was number one until some inconsiderate guy in scotland uh beat it a couple of weekends ago oh no do you so know who it is? I, I know the name uh, ironically he was uh he he'd done a race the same day as i'd done cardiff yeah. which put him sort of top of the rankings and then he must have, I was waiting for the results going on power of 10. Uh, and then later on that day, it put me to the top. So he must have been there looking, thinking, yeah, I'm number one. And then a couple of hours later, but then, you know, he then did another race two or three weeks later and managed to 
win that number one spot, spot back again. So uh, you've hey, got two but, months uh, left. Two months left. You've got to get it back. Come on. Is there a race on the thirty first of January? That, sorry, of December that you can do. So he's got no chance of retaliating. There is actually. There's um, somebody mentioned there that there was a uh, Bull Valley. 10k which i've not done before and i don't know what the course is like but i think it's considered a fast one and that's in december so i might have a look nice to go under 32 minutes myself i you know it's every time i've, I've done a pb i think that's it you know it's never going to get better than that now so um but hey, it, it's currently 31 58 isn't it yeah yeah what which is incredible what? 31 and what distance is that what 5k what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 31 58 I guess it's tr- the trouble is with getting thirty-one fifty-eight. The next landmark is thirty fifty-nine. So it's a long way to go to get to that next minute barrier. Yeah, and that, that's kind of where I'm at because like, each time I get a PB, I think right. Well, if I had to retire tomorrow, I got injured. I'm happy with my PB set. But now, now I'm at that point where you're right. It's like you know, you always try and ideally get to kind of the next minute mile marker. You know. Um, milestone if you like but um you know and if not that at least the kind of mid minute you know 30 under 30 seconds but now you know to get to you know sub 31 30 or you know sub 15 minutes for a 5k is not going to happen you know so as much as i'd I'd love to think and i'd work hard it's i'm kind of there thinking well i could work extremely hard again and and maybe just claw a few seconds off and people wouldn't really know the difference between 3158 or 3151 do you know what i mean so it's yeah, it would be uh, it would be great to, to kind of make that that jump but yeah it'd have to be i'd have to be lucky because am i right in thinking you've only run for uh, four years yeah i started running in 2012 what um, what wait, wait a minute wait a minute before you go on i right, this 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 sort of story happens all the time we go oh i only just started running did, were you like really athletic doing something else though before you started running? A hundred percent not. Really? I was, I'd, yeah, I'd never did anything at school, never been any good at football. I mean, all I ever did at school was, you know, the talk and cross country that you had to do as yeah. part of PE. Kiss um, chase, not a kiss chase. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone was at an all boys school like you, David. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's what I got so quick. I had to yeah. away from them. <laughs> so, no, so I, I did that. So, I didn't do anything my adult life. I was just a, a lazy adult, like, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately. And it was only when um, I had, you know, kind of lost some members of my family and I, and I thought, you know, I need to get my backside into gear you know, and at least not give a nature a helping hand, at least do my bit. So yeah. I started going to the gym, but just like doing weights when I was about 38. And then I just used to jump on the treadmill, you know, once a week and do about 15 minutes just as, you know, part of the cardio to go along with the weights. So not to any degree, not to any pace or anything like that. Um, and then one of my friends at work in 2012, I think in February, said you know, oh, there's a 10k coming up do you fancy giving it a go so it was only four weeks in the future so i thought all right no problem why not so jumped online found a four-week plan as bizarre as uh, <laughs> as that is I, if you have a search you'll find one so i found a four-week plan 10k yeah week taper <laughs> yeah exactly so i did it i mean 
the good thing is I was, you know, I had no idea. I didn't know what to go for. I used like whatever it was, the Night Plus app or something on me, me iPhone yeah. strapped to my arm. And, and I just went and, and did it. And I think it was about 39 minutes or something like that. So, and <laughs> that's he, he, JD. Jesus. <laughs> and that was your, what, your first run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, my goodness. Well, people said, people said, oh, oh that's, a, you know, that's a decent time. So I thought, all right, okay. So I, I started to, to look at the next race. And I think the next race was uh, the Bladen race, which is a really popular race up in the Northeast. Mm. So so I, I did that. It's, it's a non-standard distance, about 5.7 miles. So I thought, I'll, I'll give that a go. And I, and I also put my name in the ballot for the Great North Run and uh, managed to get in that same year. So I did the first half marathon the same year in, the, in 2012. So uh, after that, that, I just... That was 80 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, <laughs> it was... Long, to me, I'd say three years to get to the 80-minute mark, I think. <laughs> Yeah, love love work on that as well. I kind of look back and I think it, it, you know, in some respects, it was so much less pressure because you know you don't know what's a, a good time, you don't know what you're capable of. I mean, back then yeah. I set up on a, a, a program thinking, right, well, I try and get under an hour forty-five, and as I was getting closer to the to the race, you know, my training paces were a bit better than that. So I thought, right, well, I'll I'll not be target down a little bit. And by the time I went into the race, I was thinking. You know, maybe try and get an hour twenty-five, and then I just set off running. Didn't look at me, me watch, um, and that was it. And when I came in, it was an hour twenty. I was, I was really pleased. So, JD, do you think you maybe you could be this quick? It's just you're looking at your watch too much. Maybe your psychology is holding you back. So the thing is, that would be an amazing excuse if one I ever remembered to take my watch when on a race. (laughs) My inability to remember basic tech uh, in a race. But the thing is, I I do something very similar to you when I do races. It just goes in like the reverse order. I have this unrealistic (laughs) expectation of how quick I am, and it quickly becomes apparent how off I am uh, and I normally add an extra half hour to no matter what distance it is that I'm running yeah that's incredible I'm like that at football (laughs) I'm good in my head but then there's just a disconnect between my head and my foot and uh, it just never happens (laughs) because it sounds like you've always followed plans then in your training is is that true would you say or it's just been for the a few races that you've suddenly become strict with yourself no, I think I think when I started to um, take it a bit more seriously, it, like anything that I kind of I venture into, whether it's a DIY project or whatever, uh, I kind of look and I, and I read and I, you know, I try and you know soak up as much advice as I can, you know. So right from from the early days, I was kind of looking at the, you know, what they consider the optimal cadence and things like that, and trying mm. to adapt that from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I've always pretty much followed a plan i'd say loosely but you know um the, the sort of staple runs within a within a week you know that's uh, that are generally recommended and i didn't join the club for i think it was two years people were trying to get us to join but when i did the blade and race i think i was the first unattached runner so i won i don't I can't remember 10 or 15 pound and i thought oh you know if uh, i can get prizes for unattached i'll stay unattached <laughs> So, Wait, how, many, what? How, many, how much money have you won on a tax since? Uh, <laughs> so I think that was, pounds a year that you thought, yes. Yeah, exactly. And then I think the second year it was a similar amount, and after that, I've uh, 
I won a lot more running for the club, and I found that there's not that many races that you get prizes for unattached anyway. So, <laughs> what I love about that is that that's still more than you'd get in an ultra today, generally, isn't it? <laughs> why did yeah. why did it take you two? Because we've had a big discussion about this. Why did it take you two years to join a running club? Why were you why were you reluctant? I, I don't know. Um, I thought I thought well, you know, I'm, it's working well for me at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really need to run for a club I'm quite happy kind of running on my own I, I genuinely I can't remember why I wasn't so keen on on joining but when I did you know it's the best thing I ever did you know I, like now if I've got to do a one of the hard sessions in the week on my own it's so difficult yeah oh, it's so it's difficult to try and, yeah. yeah and and so JD's got a how long until you're 10k JD uh it's three and a bit week Gosh, I've forgotten let me have a look at my diary <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's about four weeks, yeah, about four weeks. Brilliant. So, so you've it's got a four week to, plan. And that's it. You've got to beat Terry's time in four weeks. <laughs> His first time because he, he did four weeks. So. I, think, nine. Yeah. I think even when I was training for like the MDS, I think my fastest like ten k I ran was something. It was uh, it was like forty one minutes twelve seconds. And that's like that was so that was after like there. six months of training or something to to get down to that point. What was the before we before we go on to like I'm going to ask you specific advice. What what has sort of like what, so the progression that you've had from basically doing this doing this plan for your first one. Do, what 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 has it been? Has it been you know you you regularly run each week? Uh, how many miles are you doing now compared with how many miles were you doing? What sort of just to get an idea of you know what it's taken to get you to a point where you are able to. You know, run run these in sort of incredible times. I think there's there's several things really. Um, one is consistent training. I mean, I had I did have a spell out injured, but you know I've been quite lucky really. So, you know, having a good sustained period of training where you're not injured and you can keep you know gradually progressing. That's that's one element. Um, the other one is as you mentioned there, the weekly miles. You know, they increased. I think in the early days, I was probably doing about thirty miles a week. Um, you know, the last few weeks and before the Cardiff 10K, I was probably doing 60-odd. Right. Um, I mean, I did get to more than that when I was training for the marathon, but, you know, at the moment it's, it's about 60-ish miles a week. Um, and I think the other the other thing as well is um, my weight came down. I didn't particularly want to because, um, you know, I worked hard to, you know, get a, a relatively, you know, athletic-looking body at the gym, but running has just stripped me of all of that as much as I've <laughs> I, I, I eat a ridiculous amounts um you know I eat like three and a half thousand calories a day six meals a day and you know I've, I've just you know lost more and more weight I mean I've, I've kind of leveled out now but you know there's I, I can't remember the the figure exactly but there is a there is a kind of guide to say that for every extra pound you carry yeah. you know, or every pound you lose it's worth you know so many seconds per mile in pace you know, so you know, from the, the pictures of the Great North Run in 2012 to to now, you know, my arms are skinny and my legs are skinnier. It's so that that clearly has a benefit as well in terms of pace. So that's one plus point because it's it's you know it's not often you see middle distance runners carrying any kind of bulk. Because it'd be quite interesting to for you to actually do that calculation because you'd be able to get a sense of hopefully where your gains have come from because it might be that it's 30% of it is the weight you've lost, but it might be that that's 70% of it. And that'd be really interesting to know for, I guess, for the listeners to be able to then prioritise 
if I really want to get quick, is it far more important that I get a shitload of training or I can just stay at home and just not eat? <laughs> then I'll be rapid. I like the way you made that sound sweet. I could just stay at home and not eat. I mean, you have a very different physiology to me and a very different um, set of morals there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, get a tapeworm. Get a tapeworm. <laughs> tapeworm. Like tapeworm right is always the answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, that'll fix everything so how how heavy were you then before um i think when i was when i did the great north run i was probably um about 170 pounds ish so I, I mean now I, I sort of hover around 157 which is oh hang on 11 stone three right so, so it's not like you're that light now to be honest i mean that's it's, it's not how, the, how rude! Yeah, not, how rude of you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I'm really trying, David. I'm really yeah. trying. <laughs> I know. Body shamer everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and because you, this year you've you've, um, you've done your first marathon, so you've, you've actually gone through a marathon training program. And yeah. I, I've only ever followed programs that are tailored to marathons or created ones for ultramarathons. From your experience of, of when you've been training for 10Ks, for halves, for the shorter distance, what do you say is the main difference in how you focus and the type of runs you're doing from a, a 10K program to a marathon program? Um, to be honest, I didn't find it a massive amount different. I mean, the, the, the plan I was following for the, for the marathon, it had like a midweek, what it called a, a medium long run. Mm. But it was, which was like anywhere from 12 to 15 miles, which is really my long run now on a, on a Sunday. I mean, I do about 15 on a long run. Um, and the, the, the plan, if I was to follow it to the letter, it only really had one session aside from the, the long run, uh, which for the, for the first few weeks was tempo-based type mm. run. So like a half marathon, a combination of like half marathon pace or... Um, for longer distance but at marathon pace so you're running a little bit slower but for, for, for further distance yeah um and then it was only in the latter few weeks of the plan where it kind of switched to more speed based so you know 800 meter reps or 1200 meters or you know mile reps so it, it changed but i i didn't follow that completely to the letter because i didn't want to lose any speed and i always wanted to maintain some tempo so i i still pretty much did what i do today in the marathon but i did, but i made sure that i got the the midweek long run in um and some of the sunday runs instead of just being a, a sort of sustained efforts for 15 16 miles um, some of them were like marathon pace so you'll you'll start off at your you know long run pace mm. and then in the latter miles you'd start increasing pace or you'd within that long run you do a you know, section of miles at your marathon pace. So the longest one within my plan was uh, 14 miles at marathon pace within a 20-mile long run, which was hard. Which was hard going. Yeah, that's really hard. So I was just going to say one of the things I did there to, to help myself was I, I, I entered a race. So it was a 20-mile race, and I just made sure that I did my 14 miles within that race, and then just ran the rest easy. Just so I'm running in amongst people, and because you can always hit a, a better pace in a race, and yeah. you can, you know, in training. So that was my tactic to to get those 14 miles done. I was going to say, what does your um, what does your sort of um, weekly plan look like now? Then, so now um, starting from uh, a Monday, so Monday would be kind of easy or aerobic pace. 
um, which is basically what you kind of go out conversational pace with people. Tuesday would so tend what's to a, what's be... So what sort of distance would that be? Or would that be for time? Um, so at the moment, if I, if I take my, let's say, sort of 60-ish week, um, sorry, 60-ish miles per week plan, uh, the Monday would either be a straight eight miles on a Monday, or I might do, like in the case of today, I did four miles early morning this morning and seven miles this evening, uh, just to sort of help top up the miles uh, mm. to, to, to sort of hit my weekly target. And then on a Tuesday, which is club night, uh, it tends to be more speed based. So, you know, that might be five by a mile. It might be, you know, eight by 800. Uh, or in, in my plan, there's, there's, it's always good to switch it up. So one of the sessions in the plan that I follow is 1600, 1200, 800, and then repeat that. So, and then there's kind of recoveries in between of, it tends to, to work, work about half-time recoveries. You know, yeah. So if you, if you did your 1,600 in six minutes, then you'd take like a three-minute jog recovery, three minutes or, or slightly more. Right, okay. And then Wednesday would be uh, probably about eight miles again, but just, just easy running. And then Thursday is club night again. I mean, if, if I was to have the choice, I would have the club sessions on a Monday and a Thursday, so you've got that extra day of recovery. Because mm. sometimes I think, you know, the Tuesday and then a longish run on a Wednesday, then Thursday again, sometimes I think it's a bit too close, maybe my age. But I'd do it anyway. Um, so Thursday would, would tend to be more tempo-based, or if the club hasn't got that and it's got another speed-type session, I would just get, you know, one or two of the lads uh, to do a tempo with me. So a lot of the guys are quite keen on, on doing tempo on a Thursday. So I always try and... Is, is that your 10k pace on your tempo or is it half marathon or 5k pace or, or? closer to half marathon pace so okay. slight if you can then slightly quicker than half marathon pace so it depends on the distance so um if we're doing like five or six mile tempo then i try and yeah. do it at half marathon or just ever so slightly quicker uh, if it was going to be like a, a long tempo session then we'd probably turn it into like a progression run yeah. So, um, so like tomorrow's session is a is a five mile progression run. So we'll start at marathon pace, and like every mile, get ten seconds quicker till the last mile is is about ten um, k pace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet that's so, a good session. Yeah, and, I'm quite looking forward to that. And do you? Because I've I follow a fairly similar structure, um, but I find if I can, I'll, I'll sneak in a, a park run on a saturday are you doing a, a speed work saturday as well or is that quite relaxed I, no i used to um, so like two years ago um it was club session on a tuesday and a thursday and then we yeah. also did a track session on a saturday and then yeah. a long run on a sunday and then i ended up not saying it's related to that but i ended up having to have a double groin operation like two years ago so after that i thought right now that's it i'm just going to do the two sessions a week so then yeah. I never bothered doing the Saturday, and and I got quicker. So I don't know whether I'd have I've got whether I would whether I would have got quicker anyway. Um, yeah. But I got quicker without doing that. Um, so I was, was quite happy to you know accept that what I was doing was probably the right idea because from books I've read, especially with you know masters running as they yeah. like to call it for us older generation, um, you know it, it does recommend that you know you don't do more than sort of two sessions in a long run. So I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to take that chance. So that's two intense sessions and a long run, essentially each week. Yeah, is, uh, yeah. Okay. And and how long? 
because when I'm training for marathon, long runs start at about 14 miles when you start the 16-week program and go up to 22, sometimes 24, depending on the program. When you're not, because before you've been, when you haven't focused on marathons, when it's just been to be fast at the 10Ks, the half marathons, cross countries, what kind of long runs are you, what's your spread for those? We, I, I tend to do, I, I work on a, on a target ideally of, of uh, 25% of my weekly miles to be mm. the long run distance. So I, I follow that, you know, give or take a mile or two. Mm. You know, so while I'm on 60 miles, I'm doing about 15 miles on the, on the long run on a Sunday. So the Sunday just gone, I did 16. You know, so as long as it's somewhere around there, I'm, I'm quite happy. Just, but I try to, you know, make it a minimum of 25%. So it does seem like a long run and not somewhere in between. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but when I do a long run, like 15 or 16 miles, you know, because that's in your head and you know you're going to do 15 and 16, that's as long as it gets in this stage of the training. Um, it still feels a, a drag and a, and a troll to get to there. But when I was doing the, the marathon training, I was doing a 15 mile on a Wednesday and it felt okay. And, and Sunday was more like 20. So it's, you know, it's, it's the mindset thing where, you know, if you think you've only got to get to there, you know, yeah. you, you still feel like it's a chore just to get to there. Whereas if it was 20, you'd pass the 15 or 16 mile point and not even think about it. Yeah, completely. And so, um, I mean, it sounds as if in, in many ways then the, the structure for training for 10K is the same as a marathon. It's just that you reduce that overall mileage. And also that the if I was doing my marathon training, the intervals that I do... The, the shortest one would probably be 600 meters because of because I train with his side at the track they'll sometimes do 16400s but it tends to be 600 meters up to about 2k as your yeah. interval yeah I um, agree whereas I think the for 10ks you probably don't need to go it sounds like you have but I, for what I've read you don't need to go much more than a 1k interval um, if you're you know even a mile is quite a substantial interval session to have yeah. Um, for a session because you'll do three or four of those and if you're essentially doing two-thirds of your race in intervals um it's, it's quite aggressive training i'd say if you're looking to actually increase your top speed rather than um looking at how long you can maintain that speed for yeah yeah i mean what, what i tend to do is um because i i'm focusing on five and ten k races if it's not like a half marathon mm. so you know i don't target just a 10 or just a five it's, it's a combination of the two throughout the summer so uh, I, I follow a plan that, that sort of incorporates both. So, so as you say, you know, the, the, the reps, you know, might be as short as 400s, um, you know, even with some 200s at the end of a session just to really get that leg turnover. Yeah. Uh, and then up to, you know, it's, I mean, the 1200 was one specific training session, but wouldn't normally do so many 1200 reps. It would probably be closer to, 800 or, or a K just so you've got a combination of that sort of faster leg turnover which you need in a 5k and and a bit of the endurance speed for for 10k and what do you think's made the, the difference in in your your pace is it is it just the fact that you've repeated this training and you've been building strength and strength and, and lots of small changes along the way or have you had any turning points you thought i'm really glad i've decided to start doing this that's made a big impact well, one of the things, I don't know whether it's impacted the speed necessarily, but one of the things I incorporated is uh, strength and conditioning. So yeah. I've, I've always sort of tinkered with it, 
you know, with uh, joining some sessions occasionally that the club would put on for strength and conditioning. But then somebody recommended this book to me, which is called Strength Training for Runners. Mm. By, I think it's Jeff Horowitz or something like that. I can't remember mm. his, his name. And, and I follow that. So I try to do one of those sessions once or twice a week in the morning at the gym. And it's only, it's, it's just body weight stuff, but it's a combination of core and hip work and that sort of thing. And ever since then, you know, problems and pain that I had in certain areas of weaknesses, I feel that's really, really helped. So that's uh, that's something that I think made a, a big difference to me. Even if it didn't have a direct impact on speed, it meant yeah. that I, I stayed injury-free and, and have been able to continue training then. Because, you know, people... You know, I think you, you, you know, people can underestimate the effect of, of an injury taking you out. It's yeah. almost like you know, it's, it's all those steps back, and then you, yeah. you know, for every one week out or two weeks out, it's you know, minimum of double the dis, you know, double the time to to get back to where you were in the first place. So it doesn't take long to get you know a few months down the line to just get back to where you were. And how so do you doing that, with, are there specific days that you do those on? Are they always the slow days at a certain day of the week that makes sense? It's one of those things where I've, I've always I've, I've struggled to find the best day to do one of those. Yeah. It would it would it would tend to say it's it's better to do it on the day you do a hard run but but in the reverse so you do your hard run in the morning and you do you know a strength workout in the evening but that doesn't work for me because of Yeah. You know, the, the sessions are in an evening. So sometimes I do that sort of thing on the same day as the club session. But then there's some days where I've gone to do the club session and my legs, like last Tuesday, was a, was a hill session. And I felt like my legs were just shot, completely shot. But I got through it. And I think that sometimes there's a benefit in training on tired legs as well. Yeah. Because you, you're there trying to hit the paces. on. You're teaching your legs to run you know fatigued really so sometimes I, I think it might help so i tend to do it on a on a tuesday which is the same as club session but then on a friday i try to do a heavier leg session you know with heavier weights yeah knowing, knowing that the, the key sessions are out of the way then it's just a long run to come and, and it doesn't affect that too much because i always find when i do legs at the gym you know with weights i always have really bad uh, muscle soreness Afterwards, it doesn't matter how often I, I train my legs, you know, it really, really impacts afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I, that's the only time I've actually done weights is when I was in Newcastle because there's a gym right next to where I worked. And I, I found that I'd, I'd do them on Mondays because the, the track session was on Tuesdays. But I, I, I made the mistake once of when we went to, in fact, I think it's our first uh, 10K we did together, which you won some kind of trophy by, by a school. Clyde Cookson, yeah, 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 and I'd I'd done weights that morning without thinking about it, or possibly even the de- the day before, and I bailed at five k because I was so ruined, and yeah. I just <laughs> forgot how much. And this was, as you say, it's the same weights I was used to for the last two months, but still, that extra day of not having recovery from weights it just kills you. I mean, it's great in the long term, but you've really got to make sure um, you're not putting too many of them back to back. I think. Yeah. I wouldn't ever do a, a weight session either on the week of a race. You know, not if you want to do well in the race. I always, I always lay off the gym yeah. the week of a race. And so, if you're someone like JD, then what what advice would you have for him for your four weeks out, or your if you're one of the the do batters listening, you're thinking about doing your first ten k. Yeah. How long do you think is a good time to to plan out from, and what would the key strategies be for your planning your training and what to do? 
if you've got the time to, um, you know, if you've got enough, uh, you know, time in advance, then I would I would try and work on a on a twelve week plan, and um, if if not, you know, certainly an eight week plan, and I would, you know, whichever plan, you know, do your research, pick a plan that you think will work for you, you know, in terms of number of sessions, the type of sessions, but then trust it, you know, and, and try not to switch it up, you know, don't keep reading each week and think, oh, I've now seen this plan, well, I might start having a look at that instead you know just trust it you know it's only eight or 12 weeks if it doesn't work for you you know try something different in the in the future but you know everything that i've followed i haven't you know nothing's really changed that much over the years it's not like i've, I've suddenly found this magical session that's helped me get quicker it's yeah. just you know more of the same you know and, and the, the more the, the fitter you get you know the, the faster you'll get uh, and just just really sort of you know maintain that so just just trust the plan that you've got try not to listen to too many people once you've settled on it um, and just if you're in a session and it's you're intending to hit certain paces if it's one of those days where you're just not feeling it because you'll get plenty of those yeah you know don't bail out the session just slow down a little bit so if it's you know 10 by 400 at your 10k uh, your 5k pace or something and you're struggling to maintain your 5k, just do 10k pace, you're still going to get a good benefit from it. So it's better to do, you know, 10 slower reps than, you know, just do two and drop out. Yeah. And so, and to just start, like, the the, the issue that I have is the fact that, you know, I've not, I, I haven't done a huge amount of speed work and stuff. So how, how quickly would you go into that? Would you start doing that as soon as possible? Because, you know, what, so what we were saying, we were saying, like, two, two fast sessions a week as, as well as a longer run. Um, do you need to build up to that? Do you think? I would do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't don't jump straight into a into a huge fast session. I mean, if you've only got sort of four weeks left, then you know just just do what you can. Even if you did something like you know six by four hundred, you know, to get you started on the on the speed stuff, you know, would help. But I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily do two speed sessions a week. I'd do one like that, and then the other like a tempo so you're building your endurance speed so you're teaching yourself to run faster than normal but, but for longer distances so when you do when you do a tempo run and you're trying to run at like your, your half marathon pace or somewhere around there you know if doing a continuous four mile run at that pace is too much or 25 minutes you know break it up even so you know you do you know two by two miles or you know three yeah. by one mile yeah. just at a quicker pace just so you're getting time at that pace, you know, even if you have a bit of a recovery in between. Uh, so you're teaching, you know, it's, you know, class is a lactic threshold test. And the idea is, you know, you push that threshold slightly up and up and up each time you do it. So, you know, before your, your muscles start filling with lactic acid, because that's what you get in a race where, you know, the latter third of a race where you feel like you're running through treacle which is such an awful feeling so <laughs> to, be, yeah. to be honest i feel like every time i run i don't think i don't think i, I don't think i've ever run fast enough to ever hit my lactic threshold um the, the, the thing is it with the, is the 10k is like a 5k is fine because i i know it, it feels awful but you feel like you can sort of hang on you can so the the i think we were, we were talking about this that the struggle with the 10k is what what is your strategy for it? What is a strategy for ten k? Because it's not it's not like a five k where you can you, you know you go you go out hard and you can you can sort of hold on 
enough to do it. A 10K, you know, think of it as two 5Ks, is, to me, is, is frightening, especially with the time. Is there, is there a strategy for it, or, 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 you know, or, or do you just have to you know, find, find what's right for you? I think, I think the key thing is, when you mentioned before, that sometimes you head off out without your tech, you know, unless you're really good, and I'm terrible at pacing, if I didn't have my watch, I think I'd make a complete mess of, of a race. So having that watch to, to see what pace you're going at would really help because if, as you say, on a 5K, you can kind of go out by feel, I'm running really fast, and yeah, I might slow down a bit, but I've only got to hang on like this for, for however long, 20 minutes or whatever. Um, whereas a 10K, you know, if you kind of went out at that similar effort, yeah. then it's a long, long way to try and hang on like that. So yeah. Yeah, having a watch, you know, if you know that your, your pace is, you know, seven minute mile for a five, you know, I don't know what it is, but seven minute mile for a five K, you know, that this is a 10 K. So I need to not be any quicker than seven thirty or something like that. Otherwise it's going to be hell for the second half. So, and, and that, that's, that's what I, I mean, don't get me wrong. When, when I went to Cardiff, it was, uh, it was different. I, I, I went out hard and I thought, I'm just going to, I've driven all the way down here. I'm going to, I'm going to take a chance and just run hard. <laughs> But, but ordinarily, I wouldn't kind of, I wouldn't adopt that tactic because, you know, at, at the card, if it was, you know, the last mile or two miles just felt like, you know, 10 miles, you know, the end couldn't come quick enough. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's that thing where, you, you, you know, if you kind of go out too hard, it's a long, long way to, to hang on. And I think that's when the, the threshold runs are really useful as well. It's not just about getting used to, so it's not just about building up your body being used to that pace but it's also your body knowing that pace because typically you do your threshold as you said on a Thursday so at the end of your week's training when you're tired already and so you get used to running the exact race pace when your body's tired so when you're getting into three four miles of your 10k and in the same way when you're training half marathons marathons your body instinctively knows that this is the pace that I feel normal at when I'm tired. And so yeah. it, it becomes a lot more, a lot easier mentally to just click to that pace. And is, is nutrition a factor for you at all for, for a 10K? Do you, do you think about it the night before? Do you think about it on the day, in the breakfast, during the race? I, I'm one of these that, you know, when it comes to carb loading and that sort of thing, you know, the, the, the general advice is, you know, you need to carb load for marathons. Um, you know, anything less than that, you don't really need to carb load that much for. But me and the, you know, the way I, I eat, I always try and make sure I have a lot of carbs, you know, the day or two before yeah. any race, to be honest. I always try and make sure I'm kind of full of fuel, the fuel that I need for a race. And then before the race itself, I always tend to, like a couple of hours before, I'll have porridge and some fruit uh, or something like that just to make sure I've got something in me yeah and the other thing I'll do is you know regardless of the distance I take a, an energy gel about 15 minutes before the race I don't know if it makes any difference whatsoever because I've had good races and I've had bad races but I tend to do that just so I know that I've got energy in my body you know fuel in my body to, to kind of see us through but you know none of that makes any difference if you you know, mess up the pace and you just go out way too hard, you'll just you'll just drop off a cliff. I think sometimes it's easier to, you know, to go at a little bit more of a conservative pace. And then if the second half of the race you're still feeling really good, then you just pick up the pace a little bit and, you know, at least kind of semi-enjoy the race. Whereas, as I said before, if you, you go off too hard, 
then it's a long, long way. And, and like you, David, at the the Clive Cookson, especially if it's a two lap race, that temptation at the halfway point when you're back to, you know, the um, <laughs> the start start yeah. finish, it's so easy just to say, oh, there's my car. Yeah, I'll stop here. <laughs> yeah, it was a 10k race. I'd have run it in, and I would have done the right thing. I probably got a half. Well, it would have been a 10k PB because I still haven't got one. But yeah, lap race is a, yeah. a evil. Sorry, did that. you did you DNF in that or something? Or yeah, DNF. <laughs> yeah. You DNF'd in a 10k. <laughs> yeah, I just. <laughs> well, I had a race at the weekend, and, but we were running as a pack. There was right. about I think four of us from Time Bridge. And um, it was just my ego as well, because I, I, amongst that group, I thought I'm the quickest one here, and I was training them all on the first lap. And but because of that, I wouldn't let them go. And so oh, really? I'd done the weights; my legs were ruined. I shouldn't have been running that pace, um, yeah. given that. And so yeah, I got halfway, and just just like I'm not going to finish this. So I just didn't. <laughs> I tell you what, you'd be surprised how many people DNF even at 5K. You know, at our club, you know, you've got regular Group One runners at our club that's that the DNF in quite a few 5K. So even if they completely misjudge a 5K and go off even quicker, then you know they get to a mile or two miles in and they're completely gone. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes it well, it's it's generally a, a mental game, and and a lot of people if they think, well, I'm not going to get a PB now, or I'm going to get beat by him. I'd rather drop out and say I've got a dodgy foot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, classic. Uh, do, you think, we always... do you think that's the worst thing you could do? Do you think Group 5 would think that's the worst thing you could do to DNF a race for life? That must be, for Group 5, that must be the worst <laughs> possible thing you can do. Yeah, you, you don't want to DNF. <laughs> yeah, I love just, it. Just, just don't miss it. Even if it, you know, the race for life, even if it went wrong, just, just walk for a little bit and then just get going again. I'd love, I love the idea that, yeah, that there's that ego going on in terms of, because I, I find speed yeah. scary. There's something about it within me that it, I like ultras because it's just me versus distance. But speed, you're, you're, it's like you're tapping into something else. And, uh, you know, the whole idea of like DNFing something because you're not being quick enough is, is, is anathema to me. But it, it scares me. Um, like it scares me whenever I do park run because I just think it's so quick. How do you? For me, I can. I, I'm at the stage where I can make sort of big improvements. When you get to the stage where you're like knocking a second off here and there, how do you? How do you keep motivated? How do you, you know to, to sort of go out and, and 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 keep doing it? You know, maybe you know nine runs out of ten, you're you're not you're not PBing. Does it? Is that a difficult thing to do? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good question because. There's, you know, there's a couple of friends at the club, and we, you know, we often have discussions, especially on the back of a of a good race or a big race, you know. So, for example, for the the great uh, for the London Marathon, it was so all consuming for six months. You know, all, everything was geared towards that, and then you have the the thing. What was it? People say maranoia of you're going to get injured a couple of weeks before. <laughs> maranoia, that's great. <laughs> so, and it's there. You think, oh, I've trained so hard. What if something goes wrong? And you're walking through the kitchen, your toe just glances off the dining table and you think, this is it, that's what's all that's going to happen, I'm going to break my toe on the table. And uh, yeah, it, it's so, you know, it's, it's so all-consuming that, um, it, you know, you do question yourself and when you come out, when I come out the, the other side of the marathon, I think I had the post-marathon blues and it's like, right, what now? You know, I've, I've just, I lost motivation and, yeah. and I struggled. And then it's the same when you, you know, you have a good race or, I mean, for me, 
a few weeks ago. So I PB'd at 5K and then 10 days later I PB'd at 10K and it was it was great. You know, I'm, a, I'm another, another year older. I've just PB'd at both races. I'm still progressing. But then after that I thought, well, what's the next milestone? And like even now I'm thinking... I'm getting up at six and you know quarter to six in the morning to go out for a, a little run, and I'm going to do all this now and all this effort to, as you say, just try and knock another couple of seconds off. I think for me, I've got more a bit more motivation than others. I, I feel that as a as a B45, you know, I, I do pick up sort of prize money and stuff from races because you know you get prizes for you know being quickest in your age group and that sort of thing, whereas you know, the senior runners, that's anything from, I don't know, I think it's 20-year-old up until, you know, 35 or 40. It tends to be starts at B40, the bets on, on road racing, um, that, you know, can be quicker than me, but still, you know, nowhere in terms of ranked at senior level in a race, if you know what I mean. So mm. I've, I've got, you know, more motivation than them because I, I win things. And, I can, you know, I can win some, some pride. You know, when I say money, it's it tends to be... Um, vouchers for a local sports shop which to me is as good as cash you know when you're buying running shoes and everything all the time um so yeah it, it is it is a genuine concern that uh you know you struggle sometimes with motivation and yeah um because it's, it, it's, it's not it's not like you know like david david can find like weak course records and like win races <laughs> motivate himself because there's a make up races yeah, yeah. yeah exactly make up races things like that but it's it's difficult with like a, a like 5k's and 10k's because they're so popular and there are there's there's, there's so much participation in them and yeah. what's good though is um cuz I, I spoke to a few years ago one of the older vets at serpentine club and if you so if you're part of a running club you're then part of England Athletics, so you're automatically on power of 10 and you're automatically on the Run Britain rankings. And that gives you an age percentage um, oh, really? of you globally. Yeah, so yeah. you can then... So he he's obviously way... No, he's 60, he's way past his point of PBs. But every year he tries to improve on his percentage globally. And so he knows what time he'd have to get in a 10k or half marathon whatever distance he chooses to then be in the top three percent top ten percent whichever he's going for and so in in a way he's getting a pb but not on the actual time but on the percentage finish yeah that's a really good good point yeah there's i mean it's it's called the it is developed by the world masters athletics so it's it's um it's called age grading and so it's classed I think anything from 80 to 90% is classed as national class. Uh, 90% and above is classed as world class. So w- what it does is based on your time, it's calculated back to what you would have run uh, equivalent effort at your peak. So um, I'm not deliberately trying to squeeze it in here, but just to give my most recent example, the, the Cardiff 10K for because I'm 45, was ninety two percent, so it classed as, as world, world class. class. World class, get Whoa. in. And then it gives you your your, um, your your time. I can't remember what it was now. Gives you your, what your time would have been if you were, I don't know, let's say a twenty twenty four year old or something like that. So it's uh, it, it's it, it is a good motivational thing uh, if you are struggling on on something else because yeah, so we, you have to have that, that age grading. Because if, if we've got, you've mentioned before that there's a calculation based on weight. We should do the the time if you're a fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, so, 
So I don't think that's a politically correct term there. For, but, is say, that a, <laughs> but say you're, I mean, what better motivation is that if you're someone who's really overweight to go out and do a 5K and then go, right, if Mo Farah was my weight, am I quicker than Mo Farah? Because <laughs> that yeah. would be incredible. You could suddenly, because it might be that it, it, it's an indication of huge talent that people would never find out without this figure. Because there could be some guy who's, in fact, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, the uh, really friendly guy who was running as pacing ground London, who is 14 stone and did a 315 marathon, which to me is mind-blowingly Whoa. quick. Because yeah. if I had that weight on my back, I, I, mean, I, I don't know if I'd make, break four hours. Um, so, Why would you have a 14 stone bloke on your back? Well, you know, the bets I make, the jokingness. <laughs> Anything for charity money. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that could be something we could potentially try and devise where there's a calculation. So you, there's almost a playing field. Doesn't matter what your weight is, you can see where would I be if I lost all that weight i mean what better motivation is there definitely it's, it's worth uh, I, I can't remember the, there is there are calculators if you if you google them there are calculators where you can put in your, your weight and it will tell you that if you were to lose you know six pounds you know your time would move from that to that so um yeah you can have a bit of fun with that yeah that would be good the thing is that that then um blows it open because i've been laboring under the um uh, delusion for a long time that me and David are equal runners. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just because of my weight um, that that handy that if you put that handicap in place, we're pretty much on par, I reckon. Is that why you keep on eating? So I do. That... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get further away from it so that I don't, we don't actually have to prove it at any point. <laughs> yeah, develop de- develop a new weight grading calculation. So. Yeah, to go alongside the age grading. That would be brilliant. You get people just the day before uh, the marathon, just eating down on Big Macs so they can. Yeah, I'm the fastest twenty. I'm the fastest twenty stone guy in the UK. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Well, well, thank you so much for your help there, Terry. It's been really interesting. We um, it, it's not often we actually delve into strict training plans and and getting an, an, an understanding of the actual structure of of what training should be. Um, I mean, is that from from your point of view, Jade? Is there any questions you've got about your training in the next few weeks that are still outstanding? No, no. I think, um, well, I think one of the biggest things is I'm going to try and cut some weight down because I think that's going to make a, a big difference. And then, yeah, not too, not not go up too high. I mean, I've only got four weeks, haven't I? So, um, but yeah, it's just I think um, using a watch might. <laughs> Might finally come home to roost. The reason I don't use a watch normally is, like you said, with a five k, well, what's the point? I can normally, you know, I can normally sort of hold on. There's a there's a guy there at the at the mile marker tells you how it is, so you know if you if you're going ahead. And in an ultra, um, my watch normally runs out of power before I got to the end. So this like there's normally not a point, but but actually there's a yeah. a real value here to doing it. So I better learn how to use one. It gives you good feedback. So, you know, regardless of what kind of race you've had, if you, if you then have a look on your Garmin or your Strava or whatever type of watch you've got, you know, and you can see then what your mile splits have been. So if you've, you know, done a seven minute mile for your first mile, but then an eight minute mile for your second mile and even worse for your third, then you know that you're pacing it all wrong because you just kind of fallen off a cliff there. Uh, whereas if your miles split to you know relatively even, you know you paced it well then. Yeah, so, it's, um, it's just it's a weird it's a weird thing knowing that you have to like pull back. You don't keep running because it was always my I was always yeah. It's like when you like when you're running an ultra and stuff. It's like if you're feeling good, you just run as well as you can because you know that you're going to be feeling awful at some point and then you're going to slow right down. Whereas 
the whole idea of actually, you know, making sure that you're, 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 you're pacing yourself properly and evenly through a race is something that I've never been able to, I've never been able to nail. So I think that that on its own would massively improve my, like you say, my marathon times, all of my times, um, because I haven't, I haven't taken the time to actually develop that. Yeah, it's an experience thing. I mean, sorry, people, people think, oh, well, you know, if, if, I, if I bank some time while I can, while I'm fresh, then that's going to help us later on. But it doesn't, it hinders you. So I think the, the saying goes, bank energy, not time. So Nice. And if you're trying to uh, rinse every last second from a race as well, if you're running to your watch, that's when you can be two miles out and just be looking at how close you are to the time you need to be. And it just so good for motivating you to keep on pushing yeah because you can actually see exactly where you need to be and if you're slow if you're slightly dipping it tells you and you're like come on come on come on so it really does help you rinse every last second yeah the longer the distance the more important it is to make sure that you don't go off too too fast i mean you imagine doing it in a marathon going off at your 10k pace you know you, you will just completely you die a death so it's uh, it, it really is sometimes in a, in a race you, you are holding yourself back. And you think I'm I'm losing an opportunity here, but you're not. It'll pay dividends second half. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much for your for your help today, Terry. It's been uh, great having you on the podcast. That's super. Yeah, you're very you. welcome. Brilliant. And if you could send our love to all the Time Bridge Harriers, but especially our favourite Group Five. Lovely day, Group Five. <laughs> I certainly will. I'm not sure what this issue is. I need to go and do a bit of delving. I think. Well, I, I think we. Um, I think it was just more a, mid, a, mid, a miscommunication where yeah. um, Jody or I had accused him. Of it being... was you. It was definitely you who said it. <laughs> we were talking about. I was because like, we this was before I joined a running club. So I said, "Well, can you explain how how it works a running club?" Because I think I'm going to be the slowest there. So how does that work? And David explained well in in the you know at, at Timebridge in the group one they've got the really fast runners and he talks about it. He goes, "Oh, when you get down to group five, they're the slower runners, probably ones that are doing uh, race for life." So a week later, we get a message on the thing going. I want to tell you that actually we don't do race for life. We're serious runners. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and so, and so, and so you were like, Oh yeah, sorry about that. And then like, we, we thought, wait a minute, are you, are you dissing race for life? You, you monsters. Race for yeah. life. <laughs> and so we've, we've turned it around slightly, maybe unfairly, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's where it came from. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's still some badass runners in the group five essentially is, is what we now know. Of course. Absolutely, <laughs> and and Every, what have you got coming next then, Terry? What's what's on your next radar? So my next, I'm, I've got a number. I've got an entry for the Leeds Abbey Dash, which is a 10k in Leeds in two weeks, uh, a week on Saturday, and that incorporates the I think the British Road Racing Championships. Not not for my level, for like all the top kind of you know there'll be some gb athletes there as well yeah. so it's considered a really fast race because the quality of the field is so good so i'm down to do that but then six days later is the british and irish international masters cross country which i've got a, an england call up for that oh, amazing uh, that that's in glasgow so I'm, I'm i'm now in a position where do i do this 10k and, and my legs might still be tired six days later or do i just sack it off now i've i've got under 32 because like we've already discussed, I could put a yeah. lot of effort in just for another yeah. couple of seconds, but then might not be fresh for the for the cross country. And six so, days is right on the cusp of recovery as well. I know, okay. I know. So, so and and ooh. not only that, you know, the the effort level in a cross country compared to a road race, 
You know, you've got to treat it with respect because it doesn't have to take a lot more out of you. Well, you could always do the first three, first three, four K, couldn't you? And then uh, do that quick. If, <laughs> if things are going really well, go for the 10K PB. If they're not, it's a great training run. Just back off a little bit. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. There's always that. But then people think that you DNF'd or people think that they beat you. And that's, yeah, this is, this is the, the, yeah, pride comes in then. Yeah, it's when the person that you know you would have beaten if you were racing then overtakes and think, ah, oh, I've just beaten Terry. It's I know, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah it's a, none of the circumstances, yeah, they don't come into it. No, it's there on power of 10, I beat you. <laughs> yeah, there's, right. no, there's no explanation on power you're not of 10. To, you're not allowed to bad comments. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm going to sign up for that race now, Terry. Just send the last one kilometre and you're jogging in. I'll yeah. be uh, going flat out trying to catch you, so I've got it down on paper. But my leg fell off that day, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, brilliant. Well, thanks again, Terry. And um, if, if any of the do-badders have any questions, ping him in the, in the uh, Facebook group and we'll get him across to Terry. Um, so, and, are there any ways in which people can get in touch or anything you'd like people to follow you on Twitter, anything like that to promote? Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Strava. I'm on Twitter as at Redtel. I'm on Facebook. At, just search for, for Terry Scott. Generally, my profile pictures are a running picture, so uh, <laughs> you could you could find us that way. But yeah, I'm on Strava. I mean, a lot of runners are on Strava, and I think it's yeah. uh, it's kind of good. It's that kind of social aspect as well for people commenting and giving kudos. So, um, but yeah, I'm happy to to help or answer well, any we'll, questions. We'll, we'll um, post Terry's Strava profile into the group, so you can then have a look and see just the structure of his weeks and get a real sense of the different days and mileage and speeds he's doing um, in his training. Great stuff! Yeah, marvelous. Thanks, Terry. That's Terry. Absolutely brilliant. Really helpful. Yeah, really yeah, nice. no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, good luck with the representing Britain. Yes, thank wow. you very much. <laughs> All the best. Bye. All right. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye now. Bye. I'm going to say this. Yeah. And. It's going to be shocking, but we're in danger of becoming useful. I know, I know. <laughs> that was so. That was that was really, really. I mean, like that was genuinely useful. I feel, I feel I slightly cheated everyone out of a podcast there by just getting on someone who could personally help me. I think we should do this with all. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I don't really care about you, know, the laughs and stuff like that. Let's just get people on to just make me better. So we're getting on Love Maker next next week then uh, david you're gonna make some joke now about you're on every week or something <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't gonna do that but you it's very kind of you, you. Were gonna do very that. kind of you to uh to recognize that should i say i just <laughs> what that lamp behind you yeah how that is like it looks like it belongs in old people's home it's have you stolen I, it from an old people's home? It just appeared in our lounge. I, don't, <laughs> I can't remember who brought it. It probably is from FreeCycle. I quite like it. It's, I think it's quite moody. <laughs> it looks like a fez hat. It looks like a fez-ish. Yeah. 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 Nice. I'm a big fan. So what was this story that you'd suddenly remembered before? Oh, my goodness. Well, no, this is public information. Public information. So I went on a, um, um, a dad's night out. And, um, oh, I met, and I met a guy for the first time, and uh, he said that um, we talked about running and stuff, and he said that he'd been uh, he'd been knocked down, and I was like, oh right, okay. Well, so tell me, because yeah, um, I was out running um, Regent's Park um, with a friend, and we'd run around the park, and we'd um, we'd come to uh, cross the road, and uh, there was zebra crossing, so the zebra crossing, we were running across, the first car stopped, and it was running across the second one, car didn't you know didn't stop at all, 
hit into him, ran over his foot. Whoa. So I'm like, whoa, you must have been furious. And it was like, yep, I was just, I couldn't believe it. We were absolutely furious. And then the person got out of the car and it was a dwarf. And he said, all of my anger instantly dissipated because I didn't know how to deal with the situation. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, for a start, I'm not sure I believe you. And he goes, ah, well, the thing was, my friend had a camera with him. And so he starts showing me the photos of it. And so, but this is it. It's not the fact that this dwarf that's funny. It's the fact that the, the, uh, the guy said to him, well, I didn't see you. <laughs> and so, and so he was, he, he had a broken foot. He was basically off everything for four months. Oh God. And the police kept pressurizing him to, you know, are you going to make a complaint and stuff like that? <laughs> you're not, you're not allowed to, well, it's, a, it's an accident. You're, you're, it's illegal, isn't it? To you know, not make a complaint. And he was just like, well, I don't want to, I feel a bit bad because, you know, yeah. he's, he's a dwarf. I don't, I don't want to do that. And so they pressured him to make a complaint, and then he made a complaint. But was he telling them? Was he telling the police why? Was, was he explaining to them like, "Come well, on, he's a dwarf. Well, I can't no, prosecute a dwarf." No, I don't. I don't imagine he was. But they said, "Well, the worst that's going to happen is that he goes on a driver awareness course or something." You think, "Well, okay, that's that's not a bad thing for him to do." But in the yeah. end, in the end, they didn't take any action against him because they ruled that he was at fault for running across a zebra crossing. Oh, now, okay. Did you know that running across a zebra crossing? Puts you at but, fault. But zebras always run, don't they? Yeah, they do. I do well, Reg- I'll say Regent's Park and London Zoo. It's not the zebras that are running. It's the uh, it's the gorillas. That is true. That's true. But the I can understand that because I've I've often run. You, if you're running perpendicular to a zebra crossing, the cars have no idea if you're going to suddenly pull out. If you're wearing stripes, uh, that's true. It still doesn't necessarily guarantee, I would say. No, no. So if you're dressed like a robber, no. But any 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 road crossing, if you're running and you suddenly change direction, that's you know that it, that's just stupid, isn't it? Especially if yeah. you change direction across the road. Um, but yeah, and so it does sort of make sense because you know you're moving at a faster pace and you'd normally wait, wouldn't you, to the car stops? Yeah, especially in London. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, if if it's a dwarf, I would stop for sure. Well, I don't think he knew it was a dwarf. I don't think he looked at it, but he said he couldn't see anyone in the in the windscreen. Did he think it was a ghost driving? <laughs> it's a ghost. Did he just think it was a driverless car. Said, the bump on this car. I mean, it probably hit him and ran over his foot. Um, God. But yeah. But yeah, I so I totally did. I'm like, you've made that story up. You've made that story up. It's clearly to tell your wife, or for some reason, why you've broken your foot, or whatever. And when you when you say there's photos of them, are they like, hey, <laughs> or is it a photo of him really angry and the dwarf looking apologetic, or of the car, or? No, I think it was a no. It was just it was, the photos were clearly taken. Um, you know when they're they got we're, we're t- clearly taking these for insurance purposes, but they're not really mm. taking them for insurance purposes. Yeah. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah so can you just stand next to your number? Exactly. Oh wow! Can you just lie lie across the bonnet of the car? Yeah. So if, if you're in Regent Street, no Regent's Park. Sorry, Regent's take Park. care. Careful, careful. There's there's cars being driven around that might drive into you. Don't don't run across a zebra crossing. Good, that's a good useful tip. What again? Being useful. Yeah. This is, this is a, we've got a horrible horrible trend going on. We spice it up with dwarfism. So I think that's always 
it's acceptable if that's the uh, the sugar to make the medicine go down. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we've got so much do better activity discussed that we probably can't go into it today because there's just a crap load of it. I tell you, the the best thing at the moment though, the thing that brings me joy every time I look at it is the is the do better one hundred map. I mean, <laughs> I can't. I can't to the joy that it brings me looking at that and see the inclusion of places like McDonald's HQ, places in the <laughs> Philippines, a route I've that spells out the, a a route that spells out fuck you buddy in the Antarctic. <laughs> <laughs> so can we piece something together from this? Oh, I, I'm not sure you can, but I, it's worth, I don't know, if you could produce a map, yeah, it, it just, <laughs> it's just incredible. It's brilliant. It's, like, it's, it's one of the funniest things I've seen. But I think, I think we can piece something together. I really do. I think we can, we can easily get a 100-miler. Uh, I, I would even suggest probably longer than a 100-miler with some of, the, uh, some of the stops on it. What I, well, what, it what gets would, to America. Be... It's Australia, Philippines... <laughs> Iron Man territory, just somewhere in the middle of the ocean. Well, it's I like Hawaii, that. isn't it? Oh, is it? Oh, okay, nice. And then um, Aleppo, I think it's in. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Iron Man territory, I don't know where that is. It's just because it's, it's in the Atlantic. But oh, yeah, really? I think they've is it? got. Okay. In fact, someone's just drawn a massive cock in the middle <laughs> of Siberia. <laughs> Brilliant. It's good. It's good. Yeah, so I think, I think we can could, we could piece, piece together something pretty good. Um, I think this could be a Christmas present, a, uh, a map of the world for any do, budding runner. If, you know, like they had like maps of the of empire, and you know it, it showed you know the terrains uh, that have uh, been conquered by by Britain. This is like the world according to Do Badders. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a it's a sharp. Well, I think we've insight. got enough places in the UK to create something. <laughs> Whether it's something runnable, is another. Um, I would suggest when it gets, starts getting lighter again. Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be more fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, sort of like end of March type thing. End of March, start of April. Yeah, perfect. Well, we'll get a date in the diary for that. And uh, we might have to do a, a route by for committee. Get the do-batters to decide to narrow <laughs> down by, the options. Vote. No, I won't know until they set off. <laughs> and then people live tweet where they want it, where we want to go next. Like, what was, that, idea. what was that thing? Wasn't it... Um, uh, Ross Noble, didn't he do something like that? Yeah. Like, yeah, sent out randomly to do it, yeah. But you, I mean, what you should have done, um, you should have said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're organising it, and then arrange for every single time I turn up to a do-badder house for the door to be slammed shut on me just as I got there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be brilliant, and you hadn't taken any <laughs> nutrition with you. you know, I was fine there. So they can have them there. Have them there. Yeah. That's a great idea. Or play or play aid station roulette, where um, basically um, you're telling me that they're, they're do badder's houses, and they're not; they're just random houses you've just picked out of an <laughs> yeah. A to Z. Well, what I do is I just go and I'll find the a paedophile map of Britain and get you to visit each one. <laughs> slowly think these guys look familiar style. What, what I like about that is the fact that you think there's a paedophile map of Great Britain. Oh, there must be. Surely there is. Well, surely it corresponds with um, the homes of 1970s Radio 1 DJs. Well, it, it, isn't, don't the Sun publish it every week? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Just for lynch mops, lob, mob, to be so. able to... No, okay, okay. I've not bought the Sun for a while, to be honest. I never make it past the first two or they three don't, pages, It doesn't so. have page three anymore. Really? Yeah. Well, they just have a two and a four. <laughs> 
they still got their page seven fella. One day, one day. Talking about that, <laughs> actually, the... I saw the uh, saw the new adverts for the uh, milk tray man. Remember, yeah. remember when you were supposed to be going for that? Yeah, was it? It was. Did it live up to the hype? Didn't look anything like you. Ah, oh, yeah, I had to have a lot of prosthetics for that. But um, but yeah, the so well, we're gonna. I think we're gonna cut it relatively short this time, aren't we? Um, and save all the do badness for next week. And a a little plea for myself: if you listen to this now, then the caffeine bullet Kickstarter plan is underway. And so, if you can, if you're interested in any any support for my product or want any of the products, anything like that, please get on the Kickstarter page and pledge as soon as you can. Because the the quicker these campaigns take yeah. off, the more likely they are to succeed. And journalists then write about them and the algorithms in, of investigate them, investigate the ingredients, investigate which sweatshops are responsible for the product. When when's it? When does the Kickstarter campaign end? I haven't said it yet, so I haven't figured out the date. The trouble is I'm going to Burma for two weeks to do the marathon, um, right in the middle of when I should be campaigning. So it's probably going to be in about six weeks from now because I'd hope to have about four weeks to raise. Um, but the two-week holiday in the middle is extended that out. But, um, yeah, please, 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 um, this is potentially well if this takes off it means it could fund me enough money hopefully to then be able to do lots of do badder stuff on the side and if it um, but if you're interested in any of the i'll say if it doesn't take off it could leave you homeless and penniless which would be even funnier <laughs> it could it could well it might mean i actually have to get a really boring job which will limit my ability to um to then do all the stupid things that I get up to on the podcast. But, well, I think, isn't there an opportunity here for some do-badders to, to create? I mean, like, we, basically, we sh- every episode should be sponsored by Caffeine Bullet, but you don't get to choose the advert that, that maybe a do-badder <laughs> creates. Like goodness shakes. Like for goodness shakes. We've got a list. Like for goodness shakes, but we want, I, I suppose, jingles, don't we? Jingles, a song, something, you know, that encapsulates what, uh, what Caffeine Bullet... Or, or, or are you getting very protective of brand at this early stage? No, not at all. No, there's, there's no such thing as bad publicity, as you'll see from the Caffeine Bullet video. <laughs> <laughs> as, you'll, as you'll see from 30-odd episodes of Bad Boy Running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, good. it's absolutely. a good video. Oh, did you like it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if it's a bit too controversial. Um, you know, you always have sensible friends who are, well, maybe you shouldn't be doing that in a video. It might put off some runners, but... Um, well, Fuck once runners. you've seen the video, do about it, you'll understand. It's got it's got that it's got that awkward mix of you think it being serious and then it's not serious, and then there's you snorting something and you're going, "What is he doing?" And then, <laughs> and then you're then you're not serious again. Yeah. It's like you just it sort of hits you a little bit as to oh, I don't what hey what oh oh really? Yeah, that's true. It, it is if you especially. Uh, well, the, first, to watch if you don't know me, the thing that shocks you is the quality of the production value. That's the first thing that shocks you. You're like, well, he's got a lot of help here. Who, who's <laughs> helped him with this? I think we know. I know, exactly. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a great work by incredible. Pete. Incredible. Yeah, incredible footage. So, um, see, so that, that's out now. Uh, have a look at the video. Um, feel free to edit it and to voice it over if you'd like to in your own do better style. Um, I'm sure that'll be... <laughs> As equally entertaining. How do yeah. how, how do people find it? Do you go on Kickstarter and search um, Caffeine Bullet or David Hallard or, or, or what do you, what, how do you? It's going to be bit.ly slash Caffeine Bullet. Crazily, nice. Kickstarter don't actually let you know the web page that you'll have once it goes live. 
what? which to me is insane. Uh, they randomly generate the page from what I can gather from everything else. So you, it's only once it goes live you then get the web address for your page, which is crazy uh, because I think it must be randomly, randomly generated. So I'm doing a bitly link so that I know in advance that I can link Nice. The Kickstarter page to the Bitly link. So it's going to be bitbit.ly slash caffeine bullet. Oh, nice work, man. Well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. And uh, obviously, I'll be sending plenty away once it's sorted. You told me it's not vegetarian. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll still send you away. <laughs> I'll force it into I'm your throat. I like, like a Guinness. <laughs> it might be vegetarian. Um, we're we're still uh, we haven't actually decided on the exact makeup of it yet. We're still in the testing phase. So the the second batch of flavors is coming through this week. Do the right thing, man. Do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, I'll try I'll try and make it veg if I can. It doesn't cool, cost too much. All right, man. Well, Brilliant. well, now you've got your ten k set up for you. What are you going to race? What we're going to race? What what what? What's, yeah. what, gonna be what time, time? Are you going to get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, I um. My fastest ever, like ten k, was yeah forty one twelve, and um, and that's where yeah, sub forty one. It would be good, mate. Come on. But the um, I'm, I'm not going to come anywhere near that. I'm not going to come anywhere near that at all. I was like, I was like three stone lighter when I did that. Okay, but yeah. Mind that, you, mind you, make quite a bit. Well, <laughs> no, mind you, I wasn't, I wasn't racing for speed. That was just part of the MDS training. So racing is particularly. But yeah, I don't think I'm going to lose uh, like three stone in uh, four weeks. But yeah, I think yeah, losing the weight that that made a big difference. Hopefully, I could do well. Run, good luck with 10k without 10k running. Like you know, people are going to do um, like scuba diving without practicing any diving. It's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> You're not going to get too bored of the, t- the trading that way. Just no. turn up and smash it. Turn up and smash but, uh, it. Absolutely, they do bad away. Well, um, good luck with getting your training plan sorted then for uh, the next four weeks. And I guess I'll be chatting to you next week. All right then, man. Bye 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 bye